Hello, Henrietta. Hello. Welcome to the conversations with Jason Campbell and Henrietta Galena. And on this week's episode, we are talking about Thierry Mugler. Well, present incarnation of Manfred Thierry Mugler and his historical profile as just Thierry Mugler, the designer. This conversation is sparked by a retrospective that opened up in Montreal a couple weeks ago. Um, it's called Thierry Mugler Couturism at the Montreal Museum of Fine Arts. And I was so struck by how well, uh, this retrospective was amplified in the digital space. And it just sparked a lot of thoughts and a lot of uh, conversation amongst my network of fashion people. And it found its way into our conversation, as most of these things do. And so, um, so we're going to delve into uh, the question this week is, has Thierry Mugler offered us the best example of a more creative future with resonance from his past? And it sounds like quite a heady question, but this it, it, it had genesis somewhere. And it, it had, the genesis is from an actual quote that he uh, made surrounding this very retrospective. And he says, quote, There is no future without a past, so I hope that this exhibition will inspire in its visitors a new creative future. And... Um, and that's debatable. <laughs> that's debatable. And that brings us to, to this point of, of, of conversation. And, and let, me, let me speak to say that my personal, professional history and exposure with Thierry Mugler, you know, as a personal stylist, Mugler really is ranked at the top of the list. The archive, you know, you find Mugler clothing around, and when you find it, you cannot deny the sartorial sort of excellence of his designs. So amongst the, you know, the the, the lovers of vintage fashions, we, and the ones who really know, Mugler definitely gets honored often and always usually when we come across these things. So, you know, in this age of, let's say, diminished creativity, to have someone from the past just just step to the front of the line in the way that he has done is surrounding this exhibition, I have really found it to be important, stunning, and educational. And I hope that we can sort of like discuss some of these, some of these feelings that I got from from this exhibition or this retrospective, uh, simply from seeing it in the digital space. Yeah, I think that all of those are very um, interesting but debatable points. I think, yeah, I am very impressed with how he's made this a very relevant topic and retrospective in the digital sphere. But I think it's the same old strategy of attaching it to a Kardashian. Oh, oh, well, yes. <laughs> like, that that's it. And I think, obviously, well, the, there was the Grammys, which I think, obviously, the, you know, the historical moment of Cardi B winning a Grammy and, and uh, performing and that whole red carpet moment, almost exclusively in Mugler, was a really big moment. Miley Cyrus wore it. But wait, 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 I'm going to have to interrupt you here because I think we're going to have to give a little bit more historical information about Mugler and his profile in fashion and the woman that he has dressed historically. I think, you know, we're speaking about some of the most 
popular uh, woman of today, but I think that has, I think it's important to note what, who came before these women. No, that's a fair point, but we're talking about the digital relevance of the exhibition today, and I'm just saying I think it's largely attached to these megawatt celebrities, in particular the Kardashians, which just seems to be most people's digital strategy of get them involved and it will be a thing on social media. Well, fine, fair enough. For sure the Kardashians, the Kardashians have been attached to the Mubaglia brand in this age and... <laughs> in this age? Literally just now. Just now and it's been... Five minutes ago. And it's been heavily broadcasted and we see now <laughs> and, and the power of that broadcast is tremendous. Having Kim K wear a couple of these dresses over the last like week or so has been incredible. It has been incredible for a name recognition for this brand. But I think we have to step back and we have to talk about the Diana Rosses, the the the, the Grace Jones, um, and those kind of uh, you know never mind the the, Mike, the George Michael video back in the eighties yeah, that, that was saw iconic. all yeah. the the supermodels you know wearing all of Mugler wearing Mugler's designs and so on and so forth. I mean his. Historically, he has dressed these incredibly strong, powerful, confident women. And in fact, he hasn't just dressed these women in terms of like that runway format that, that he is essentially designed that format, putting groups of models coming down a runway, setting it to a soundtrack, really having that sort of, um, you know, high wattage presentation. All of, that's a Mugler invention. So in many ways, Mugler has always been about that, you know, that influential, that strong, that confident woman. And in this age, isn't that woman, you know, exemplified by the Kim Kardashian, by the Cardi B, by the Beyonce of the world? And those are, in fact, the women that he's dressing. Yeah, and and that's that's what I was going to say. I think ultimately what he's done is, is that was his strategy previously, really tapping into pop culture and using that as a vehicle to manifest his vision, etc. And I think he's obviously transferred that um, and applied that to the relevant people of today. It's a Kardashian. But you know, you know what this also sparks for me? This sparks a thinking about we're at a, and we certainly have discussed this in, in our podcast about the lack of creativity, you know, the sweatshirting of the industry, the sweatshirting and the logoing of the industry. For me, Mugler represents the antithesis of a Balenciaga sweatshirt with its logo printed on it. And in many ways, aren't we at just that tipping point <laughs> where we are tired of this, like, you know, the casual, the casual culture, and we're ready to, let's look at design again. And in many ways, couldn't Kim Kardashian in some ways be leading this effort? And she's like, you know what? I'm going to go back. I'm going to be looking back at designs and show these people that, you know, things came before this fine. She may not be the authority, but, you know, in this space, anyone can step a step on that that platform and, 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 and own it. And I think that's kind of what she's doing. She's kind of saying, you know what, Mugler and Alliant and all those other archival brands that she's wearing these days, she's kind of saying, I'm a fashion leader and I can educate you in this age. Yeah. My personal thought on her specifically as it pertains to this is that she is really trying to reinvent herself. I think that she's really taking um, from the playbook of all of the most iconic women who have to reinvent themselves to stay relevant. I think in a space, particularly a digital space, where people are copying and implementing um, her strategies, almost clones of her at this point, we're seeing that she 
it's created a space and she's part of a space that is becoming increasingly homogenous. And I think one of the things that she's really tapping into right now is her access, right? So it becomes this thing of, I have access to these things that money can't buy. Doesn't matter who you are. I have, a, I have access and I have power to be able to actually look very different. And she's evolving her look in a way that, um, is about access and just her being able to look to the past to bring something into the future to create something that's completely different and ownable to her I think is what she's really trying to do from a personal strategy which is obviously aside from the Mugler overall kind of resurgence and retrospective but in respect to who she's choosing to wear in this age I think that's that's important, and I think that's important to this conversation. And I think it's no accident that Mugler was chosen for the body, the body 100%. conscious designs, 100%. you know, for the for the fashion rigor, you know, of well, it all. You know, I, I think I think it's less the fashion. Ri- I think she's <laughs> interested in less of the fashion rigor. Let's be honest, but I do think she really is picking up on the history of dress particularly in terms of form and what that represents from a more kind of intellectual perspective. So if you look at designers like Alaya, uh, Gianni Versace, Mugler, she's really going to those archives of like maybe going against the grain a little bit of, of there is a historical context as to how I dress today. And I think that that could be a big part of that. You know, it's not like she's going back to the dual archives or anyone that hasn't necessarily... Um, co-signed her aesthetic of body con etc so i think it's a very strategic move right but i mean you know why would she go to like a new look (laughs) 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 for her choice when that's not that doesn't represent her aesthetic it it wouldn't have represented her aesthetic back then nor would it do now and in many ways yeah it's very clever to go to the alayas and versace and and mugler's of the world because those are the designers in that age that translates in this age for her body type and her stylistic her stylistic interest so i think i but you know i don't think you gave much of a response to the exhaustion from from a lack of design i i think that has more to do with these choices that i made because you look at these pieces particularly mugler let's stay on on subject here, particularly looking at Mugler, when you look at these things, look at the the the, um, the Venus dress that that Cardi wore. I mean, the construction, the storytelling that surrounds those 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 garments. It's it's quite elevated, and I think that that is a deliberate choice from these from these talents to go in that direction to show to show off this fantastical, you know, these fantastical creations that still leaned in fashion and, and is uh, reflective of their, of their aesthetic. For sure. And I think that you're right. It's definitely pushing against what we're seeing today. I think that the, the landscape is so, so saturated with not just this kind of casual culture and, you know, streetwear culture that you're speaking of, but we're just getting into a place where it's really hard to stand out and be different. And I think that to his point, people are really looking back in order to move their sartorial persona forward. And I definitely think it's a reaction to what we're seeing today. I mean, it's really, everything is beginning to merge into, you know, three or four buckets in terms of what we're seeing on the catwalks and what we're seeing in the stores and what people are putting together. And I think that that's really 
big approach of looking back to when to a time when people thought about things differently and when people were really pushing the boundaries. I mean, these are all designers from Gaultier to, you know, Mugler to Alaya. They were all doing things differently walking to their own beat. Yes. They were really pushing boundaries in a way that we haven't really quite seen in the same way since, really. No. Um, if you think about it. So I definitely think there's that and there's a level of education there um, because these aren't designers that are in the mainstream that we're really thinking about. People are really having to look up and like see who um, who these designers are and what they stood for in the past. But also, I think from a again, a more strategic standpoint, we've spoken about what these power players have to gain. But I mean, these are also brands that for the most part exist today. And I think it, there's a halo effect on on where these brands are going currently. I know Mugler's obviously not part of that brand anymore. He left about 15 years ago, but it's definitely having a halo effect, I'm sure, on their ready-to-wear sales when they were really propped up by their fragrance business. Same with Alaya and his whole archive, and I'm sure his wholesale business is doing really well uh, since this kind of Kardashian-Naomi moment of bringing that up. You even see it with Gaultier. He doesn't even show anymore, but you see that a lot of his vintage pieces are resurfacing and being brought to the forefront by people who could procure those. So I think that it's a very good, actually, 360 strategy across everyone who's involved. Um, yes, I, and I agree with that, but I have to say that I do want to I want to underscore Mugler in this conversation even more so because I, I think it's really important to recognize just how futuristic he really was and how now in this age, <laughs> you know, the, the, the forecast on the future, this age, it looks like very, very relatable, very embraceable, the whole bit. It looks very natural somehow. You know, the plexiglass, the use of, of chromes and those sort of like non-traditional, non-traditional elements that was used back then. It was very forward and and how it lands now, it just feels very 100%. digestible. That's what I that's that it's in those nuances that I I find that this story is most important. It's not just and I to, to your to your point about the other designers who are also sort of rising to the top in this age, yes, there's a general value. In fact, we have done we have done a, a podcast here on on the resurgence of vintage clothing and so forth. And yes, that is definitely happening. It's a place where you go for more unique styles and so on and so forth. But in this particular designer, I just think that there's a confluence of things that are happening right now that just makes it for a very stunning proposition. A hundred percent. And I think it's no accident that this is coming out now. I mean, you could read that many cities and other museums and galleries have asked him to do retrospectives. I think it's no accident that it's happening now, particularly when you see there is a slight nod to his overall approach and aesthetic when you even look at designers like like a Laquan Smith, for instance, mm. right? And I think there is a little bit of... Um, you know, showing the kids how it's done, this idea that he was ahead of the curve and almost doing his thing in the past, but coming in, parachuting in, dropping it in the present and almost being like, told you so, it still holds up, it still stands up, which you really can't say about a lot of design at the moment. Well, it's funny that you mention that because, you know, one of, the, one of the things that I came across in my research about this is like, someone mentioned that, you know, this doesn't signal the end of a creative arc. It, it really, and to me, what that's saying is that it signals the beginning of something. And to your point about the Laquan Smith is like, let me show you how it's done. You can take a page out of my book and continue with the storyline. Thank you very much. 
There's something, there's something to that. It doesn't feel like, oh my God, look at all this amazing things that had, you know, that had relevance in another age. No, it's like, look at all these amazing things that we can immediately launch from here and go into a whole other creative um, A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And I think that um, that's a really inspiring element of, of uh, almost not quite paying it forward. That's probably not quite the right term, but almost saying like, look, this ground, there could be a groundswell of more kind of intellectual, thoughtful, rigorous design that we are seeing in, in designers that are coming up at the moment and almost really trying to, like you said, envision a more creative future by bringing his pieces from the past and hopefully inspiring us all to really almost look into that more and be inspired by those. Right. And I, I have to say, you know, we're not just talking about Mugler is a pioneer in many respects. We're not talking about just the just the the, the clothing, just these directional, um, um, highly creative designs. We're also talking about the invention of the, the that fragrance. You remember the fragrance back in the back in the nineties? That like mm-hmm. gourmand. That's what it was called. It was almost the beginning of those fragrances that you can almost eat. It had the it, it smells like you can eat it. He really pioneered. And by the way, I. That fragrance has made tens and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. And in fact, Mugler was also one of the designers that exited this industry very early on. I think he was like back in the early 2000s, um, like with the with uh, Helmut Lang. Like he was very early in many ways. And I think it was a foreshadowing of the, the crap that was to come in this business. And he was just like... Peace out. It, yes. I mean, he definitely was part of that mass exodus. Helmut Lang, um, Margiela, like, all of those were just like, I work too hard for this shit. Like, you know, because also the, the values changed. I think what people were being measured against were changing. I think what people were valuing is changing. The whole value system of the industry just seemed to be changing at a certain point. But yeah, I definitely agree um, about that. But I wonder what he's going to do. I wonder if he's coming back or if this is a signal or nod to anything. I mean, I didn't get that. I really didn't get that sense. I didn't get that sense. I got the sense that it just felt like the right time. He obviously, he obviously honors his archive as much as, 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 as if not more than his fans do. And I, and I think this just presented him an opportunity to really lay it all out there and for him to see his, his life's work in, um, under one roof, essentially. And what I was about to say is that this is not just about clothing. Remember, Mugler has a long history of collaborating with some of the best photographers of the age. Oh, Anyone yeah. from Guy Bourdain to Stephen Maisel mm-hmm. to, you know, there's a, there's a long list of those of kind of visuals that are out there. So his contribution um, to this industry has been significant. And I also, I think it signals that like a guy like that can exit the industry. He had his money from his licensing of the fragrances and so on and so forth, but yet still honors the creativity that this business is built on. And I think that this was just a great opportunity, the opportunity, not just a great opportunity, the opportunity for him to really honor all that he has done. For sure. And I think that we always have these moments where we really crave fashion, you know, like, like fashion. Okay. And you think about the McQueen (laughs) exhibition that was, I mean, I I think that was different because it was so tied to his, the celebration of his life and, and a respect of his passing. And so I think that may be something that's a little bit different, although I do think that was also like a fashion moment. It but was a fashion moment. I think we've gotten so um, 
we've just gotten into a place with fashion where we've either kind of norm cored it to death. You mm-hmm. know, it's like really about the wearability and yes. the accessibility and the pricing and, mm-hmm. and making sure that it's, you know, all of these things that feel almost a bit antithetical to fashion yeah. with a capital F. Exactly. Or fashion is just fashion for fashion's sake and they're all doing the same thing. It's the same shows and the same ethoses and the same ideas that go down the catwalk. And this just feels a little bit more kind of... On one hand, you could say, yeah, it's uber intellectual and it's like all of these kind of rigour and and all of those qualities that fashion historians and critics and alike like to really kind of break down and talk about. But then you could also look at it from another end of the spectrum. Like, it's just fashion. Like, it's a bit silly and it's a bit weird and it's well, a bit but, extreme and, and it's a bit frivolous and like, it's fun and it's energetic it has like a a, a massive energy around it it's really high octane and it, it kind of really just feels like just fashion again but the, the thing is though i think all of those um attributes have a particular resonance to Mugler's design say as opposed to a recall kubo or like or come you know what i mean yeah that that's whimsy yeah. and that 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 frivolity and that fun and all that sort of stuff is very which, much a Mugler thing. Exactly, which in a full circle moment from how we started this podcast, I think is probably why he attached himself to the Cardi B's, the Kim Kardashian's, the Miley Cyrus's, because they are, I guess, less serious play like or less serious, whether it's they're taken less seriously or they're they're uh, less serious characters in a way that a comme de garçon, let's say, oh, I mean, would be attaching herself to like an uber intellectual that might not necessarily have that pop cultural resonance, exactly. that digital resonance exactly. in a way that these uh, aforementioned characters do. So I think there's definitely that element of like just, it's just fashion. For sure, for sure. And I have to tell you, um, remembering those shows, and I went to, I used to go to Mugler shows back in the 90s, remembering those shows with like Helena Vaqueda, who was one of the legendary, a friend of mine, but also, uh, you know, one of the legendary models that did the shows. Those, I mean, those were the days of true fun fashion that was theatrical, dramatic, and you did not know what theme was going to be set down a runway that, that, that season. He really represented that. And I said, I, again, the what I saw in this digital age, what I've been seeing over the last week, has just really almost sparked a bit of that, you know, that young fashion person in me again. Because <laughs> I think he did do a really good job of capturing that electricity and that excitement around his fashion, like, for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, yes. And I think, actually, what's really interesting is seeing how he's taking it, he's brought it into this age and almost giving it, giving it a current life cycle. If you think about, yes. you see in Kim, on Kim Kardashian, who mm-hmm. I'm actually sure a lot of her audience, I mean, not to be um, like crude, but I'm sure a lot of her audience don't, are not familiar with Thierry Mugler. I'm sure that Surely a lot not. of them were being introduced to him and his overall archive and body of work for the first time didn't stop a fashion over from knocking off those designs at all and selling it for you know 14.99 and everyone really wanting a piece of that for whatever reason you can argue but it doesn't kind of negate the fact that that is what happens you know it's being knocked off and the same with Gaultier you can see the same with Alaya as these designers are coming to the forefront through the vehicle of like a Kardashian machine we see how it's actually getting that same life cycle in a way that feels very of today well yes <laughs> well when a fashion nova is involved <laughs> they were probably like who <laughs> no worries we're oh, we're on it the factories are making this the, as we speak okay while they're currently looking on wikipedia like who the fuck is this okay man? but kim says yes we go and 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 here we are talking about it so 
job um, mission accomplished. Yeah, I thought it was good. I thought it was um, good. I'm interested to see where it goes. I wonder if it's just, this is just a moment and it happened or if this actually really does go somewhere to become a much larger topic. You know, I have to say, I do think, and I said it before, I think this had personal um, appeal for him. I think this this really, this was about a legacy. I, I At least I feel like that, that this was an important um, presentation to mark his legacy. And I, for one, appreciated it. And we, for the record, we have not gone to Montreal to see the exhibit, but by having this conversation, I got to tell you, I really want to go. I would take a trip up there just to go see that exhibit. I might come with you, maybe. Okay. And on that note, thank you for joining us. Uh, it's my time for something.